Section 15 of New Arabian Nights by Robert Louis Stevenson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. The Pavilion on the Links. Chapter 7. Tells how a word was cried through the pavilion window. The recollection of that afternoon will always be graven on my mind. Northmour and I were persuaded that an attack was imminent and if it had been in our power to alter in any way the order of events that power would have been used to precipitate rather than delay the critical moment the worst was to be anticipated yet we could conceive no extremity so miserable as the suspense we were now suffering i have never been an eager though always a great reader but i never knew books so insipid as those which i took up and cast aside that afternoon in the pavilion even talk became impossible as the hours went on one or other was always listening for some sound or peering from an upstairs window over the links and yet not a sign indicated the presence of our foes we debated over and over again my proposal with regard to the money and had we been in complete possession of our faculties i am sure we should have condemned it as unwise but we were flustered with alarm grasped at a straw and determined although it was as much as advertising mr huddlestone's presence in the pavilion to carry my proposal into effect the sum was part in specie part in bank paper and part in circular notes payable to the name of james gregory we took it out counted it enclosed it once more in a dispatch box belonging to northmour and prepared a letter in italian which he tied to the handle it was signed by both of us under oath and declared that this was all the money which had escaped the failure of the house of huddlestone this was perhaps the maddest action ever perpetrated by two persons professing to be sane had the dispatch box fallen into other hands than those for which it was intended we stood criminally convicted on our own written testimony but as i have said we were neither of us in a condition to judge soberly and had a thirst for action that drove us to do something right or wrong rather than endure the agony of waiting moreover as we were both convinced that the hollows of the links were alive with hidden spies upon our movements we hoped that our appearance with the box might lead to a parley and perhaps a compromise it was nearly three when we issued from the pavilion the rain had taken off the sun shone quite cheerfully i have never seen the gulls fly so close about the house or approach so fearlessly to human beings on the very doorstep one flapped heavily past our heads and uttered its wild cry in my very ear there is an omen for you said northmour who like all freethinkers was much under the influence of superstition they think we are dead already i made some light rejoinder but it was with half my heart for the circumstance had impressed me a yard or two before the gate on a patch of smooth turf we set down the dispatch box and northmour waved a white handkerchief over his head nothing replied we raised our voices and cried aloud in italian that we were there as ambassadors to arrange the quarrel but the stillness remained unbroken save by the seagulls and the surf i had a weight at my heart when we desisted and i saw that even northmour was unusually pale he looked over his shoulder nervously as though he feared that someone had crept between him and the pavilion door my god he said in a whisper this is too much for me i replied in the same key 
suppose there should be none after all look there he returned nodding with his head as though he had been afraid to point i glanced in the direction indicated and there from the northern quarter of the sea wood beheld a thin column of smoke rising steadily against the now cloudless sky northmour i said we still continued to talk in whispers it is not possible to endure this suspense i prefer death fifty times over stay you here to watch the pavilion i will go forward and make sure if i have to walk right into their camp he looked once again all round him with puckered eyes and then nodded assentingly to my proposal my heart beat like a sledge-hammer as i set out walking rapidly in the direction of the smoke and though up to that moment i had felt chill and shivering i was suddenly conscious of a glow of heat over all my body the ground in this direction was very uneven a hundred men might have lain hidden in as many square yards about my path but i had not practised the business in vain chose such routes as cut at the very root of concealment and by keeping along the most convenient ridges commanded several hollows at a time it was not long before i was rewarded for my caution coming suddenly on to a mound somewhat more elevated than the surrounding hummocks i saw not thirty yards away a man bent almost double and running as fast as his attitude permitted along the bottom of a gully as soon as i sighted him i called loudly both in english and italian and he seeing concealment was no longer possible straightened himself out leaped from the gully and made off as straight as an arrow for the borders of the wood it was none of my business to pursue i had learned what i wanted that we were beleaguered and watched in the pavilion and i returned at once and walking as nearly as possible in my old footsteps to where northmour awaited me beside the dispatch box he was even paler than when i had left him and his voice shook a little could you see what he was like he asked he kept his back turned i replied let us go into the house frank i don't think i'm a coward but i can stand no more of this he whispered all was still and sunshiny about the pavilion as we turned to re-enter it even the gulls had flown in a wider circuit and were seen flickering along the beach and sand-hills and this loneliness terrified me more than a regiment under arms it was not until the door was barricaded that i could draw full inspiration and relieve the weight that lay upon my bosom northmour and i exchanged a steady glance and i suppose each made his own reflections on the white and startled aspect of the other you are right i said all is over shake hands old man for the last time yes replied he i will shake hands for as sure as i am here i bear no malice but remember if by some impossible accident we should give the slip to these blackguards i'll take the upper hand of you by fair or foul oh say i you weary me he seemed hurt and walked away in silence to the foot of the stairs where he paused you do not understand said he i am not a swindler and i guard myself that is all it may weary you or not mr cassilis i do not care a rush i speak for my own satisfaction and not for your amusement you had better go upstairs and court the girl for my part i stay here and i stay with you i returned do you think i would steal a march even with your permission frank he said smiling it's a pity you are an ass for you have the makings of a man i think i must be fay to-day you cannot irritate me even when you try do you know he continued softly i think we are the two most miserable men in england you and i we have got on to thirty without wife or child or so much as a shop to look after poor pitiful lost devils both and now we clash about a girl 
as if there were not several millions in the united kingdom ah frank frank the one who loses this throw be it you or me he has my pity it were better for him how does the bible say that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the depth of the sea let us take a drink he concluded suddenly but without any levity of tone i was touched by his words and consented he sat down on the table in the dining-room and held up the glass of sherry to his eye if you beat me frank he said i shall take to drink what will you do if it goes the other way god knows i returned well said he here is a toast in the meantime italia irredenta the remainder of the day was passed in the same dreadful tedium and suspense i laid the table for dinner while northmour and clara prepared the meal together in the kitchen i could hear their talk as i went to and fro and was surprised to find it ran all the time upon myself northmour again bracketed us together and rallied clara on a choice of husbands but he continued to speak of me with some feeling and uttered nothing to my prejudice unless he included himself in the condemnation this awakened a sense of gratitude in my heart which combined with the immediateness of our peril to fill my eyes with tears after all i thought and perhaps the thought was laughably vain we were here three very noble human beings to perish in defence of a thieving banker before we sat down to table i looked forth from an upstairs window the day was beginning to decline the links were utterly deserted the dispatch-box still lay untouched where we had left it hours before mr huddlestone in a long yellow dressing-gown took one end of the table clara the other while northmour and i faced each other from the sides the lamp was brightly trimmed the wine was good the viands although mostly cold excellent of their sort we seemed to have agreed tacitly all reference to the impending catastrophe was carefully avoided and considering our tragic circumstances we made a merrier party than could have been expected from time to time it is true northmour or i would rise from table and make a round of the defences and on each of these occasions mr huddlestone was recalled to a sense of his tragic predicament glanced up with ghastly eyes and bore for an instant on his countenance the stamp of terror but he hastened to empty his glass wiped his forehead with his handkerchief and joined again in the conversation i was astonished at the wit and information he displayed mr huddlestone's was certainly no ordinary character he had read and observed for himself his gifts were sound and though i could never have learned to love the man i began to understand his success in business and the great respect in which he had been held before his failure he had above all the talent of society and though i never heard him speak but on this one and most unfavourable occasion i set him down among the most brilliant conversationalists i ever met he was relating with great gusto and seemingly no feeling of shame the manoeuvres of a scoundrelly commission merchant whom he had known and studied in his youth and we were all listening with an odd mixture of mirth and embarrassment when our little party was brought abruptly to an end in the most startling manner a noise like that of a wet finger on the window-pane interrupted mr huddlestone's tale and in an instant we were all four as white as paper and sat tongue-tied and motionless round the table a snail i said at last for i had heard these animals make a noise somewhat similar in character snail be damned said northmour hush the same sound was repeated twice at regular intervals and then a formidable voice shouted through the shutters the italian word traditore 
mr huddlestone threw his head in the air his eyelids quivered next moment he fell insensible below the table northmour and i had each run to the armory and seized a gun clara was on her feet with her hand at her throat so we stood waiting for we thought the hour of attack was certainly come but second passed after second and all but the serf remained silent in the neighbourhood of the pavilion quick said northmour upstairs with him before they come end of section fifteen read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com